You don't have the boost, uh, uh, booster video for this one. Listen, I want to tell you, I want to tell you how nice it has been for me uh, over the last couple of Sundays. So I was here, of course, Christmas Eve. Uh, we enjoyed a delightful time together. But the Sunday prior to that and then last Sunday on the 1st, uh, had opportunity, as I said, I was in Yorktown on the 18th of December and in Gloucester on the 1st. And part of my job uh, when I was asked to come to Yorktown was to brag on Hampton. And I, I want to thank you for making that really easy because it was, you guys have done beyond what really we expected, right? I mean, God has blessed this work. Please don't uh, mistake what I'm saying. Uh, this is all of God. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I told both of the other campuses back in January of last year, the first two Sundays of January, we had 25 people in this building, both of those Sundays. And I had come from the excitement of being at Gloucester, and we knew things were just a, just taking off and were going to really go crazy, and and that building was going to come, and it's it's just a zoo up there. They're running three services in an auditorium much smaller than this one, and it's just packed. They had almost 400 people in their three Christmas Eve services. It's, it's just beyond uh, imagination, which is a great thing. But uh, I, I apparently, I don't hide my emotions really well because I think it must have been um, that I was giving a bit of a discouraged vibe uh, one day at Yorktown when I was there for staff meetings, and Pastor Sean kind of took me aside and said, listen, um, the average church in America runs about 75 people. So if we get 75 people at Hampton, I will consider that a win. Um, well, I mean, you guys have exceeded that. We've been averaging 90 since the 1st of October, and I'm super grateful uh, grateful to you guys, grateful to all of our volunteers. Our volunteers are amazing people. There are many of you, I know, and I, I bragged on you about this at our other campuses too, there are many of you who are serving two and three Sundays out of the month, and you just have no idea uh, how encouraged I am by your faithfulness and your diligence. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, God is is on the move here in Hampton. I don't know if we'll ever be a church of 600 but we are growing faster than anybody expected. And, and it is because you are being faithful to serve God and, and our staff. I mean, you know, Rachel and Elise and Marcus. I mean, these guys are just crushing it. And I'm really, really thankful. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all of that, okay? Uh, haven't been here in a couple of weeks. I want to make sure you know how much I appreciate you. Today, this is always the... So the first Sunday, if you want to know the, the behind the scenes at Coastal, the first Sunday of the year customarily is a little down. Now, it wasn't here, attendance-wise, wasn't down much, but customarily, it's, a, it's kind of a down Sunday, and we try to give opportunity on Sundays like that to perhaps some of our younger guys. So Christian was here last week, and we try to give him a chance to preach and give the lead pastors a little bit of a break. And, and uh, so I was really happy to have Christian here. I've heard nothing but good reports about the message he brought to you, and uh, so I'm really grateful for that. And... Uh, then this, the second Sunday of the year, we always do a sermon from whatever text we want to. Pastor Sean always says, you pick whatever one you want, use a text, here's the theme. And it is our discipleship process here at Coastal. So if you're relatively new to Coastal, this may be, uh, I hope, useful information to you. And if you've been here a while, it'll be familiar, but hopefully a good reminder. This is, this is why we exist at Coastal. We really try 
to keep things pretty simple. We don't, we don't want to fill your life with all sorts of meetings and scheduled events and all of that. We do these spiritual formation classes once a week, a couple of times a year. We have small groups and we have worship services. And those are the primary things we want you engaged in as far as being here is concerned, right? I have pastored in churches where we had, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, another thing you had to be out for on another weeknight. And then we said to everybody, oh, and by the way, reach your community and your friends with the gospel. And it's like, when am I supposed to do that? I'm too busy going to church. So the, the reason that we don't have some of those additional services is that very reason. We want to give you time to connect in your community, okay? So I have entitled this, as you saw on the first slide there, the prime directive. Now, if you're uh, of a certain age, like I am, you probably spent uh, a few hours watching William Shatner and uh, his, uh, his whole crowd of people in Star Trek, right? And it always began with, with these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, right? Her mission, her five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to go boldly, where right? And, and so they had what they called their prime directive. So this is what it was in case you don't remember, because I'm a, a geek, I guess. Their governing factor dictated that they could not interfere. So, of course, they're going to places and they met the Klingons and every other, you know, planet that had other life on it. They were not to interfere with the internal development of alien civilizations, even if it was well-intentioned. They were only there to seek out new life and create all these wonderful friendships. And, of course, they had eradicated pretty much every disease, so what else can you do besides make friends? So that's what they did. We have a prime directive as followers of Christ, right? It's found in Matthew 28, a very familiar set of verses to those of you who've been around the family a while. And uh, so I want you to, to find your way there, and we're going to begin in verse 16, because I think it's an important start to what is happening when we look at the challenge and charge for the church. So here's how it reads, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've preached on those verses of Scripture. And every time I do, I am reminded that the command of Christ for the church is really fairly simple, right? We're, we're, we're people, so we, we tend to uh, make things busier than we need to. We tend to make things a little more complicated than we probably have to, maybe probably even should. And so, so here is this simple command, 
What is the church to do? If you had to do just a couple of words out of that, what would it be? Make disciples, right? Go, of course, that's part of what we're doing, but make disciples. It's what we do. That's why when we talk about Coastal, we say our mission is to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's another word of saying, another way of saying disciples. It's what we're about. It's what we want to accomplish. And we have a few ways that we really emphasize when we do that. But I want you to look at this text with me and think about this first piece. And it has to do with the worship of Christ. See, he showed up, and, and the background, of course, is the fact that just some period of time, a month or two earlier, Jesus had come back to life again. They had just experienced all of the passion of the Christ and his suffering and his death, and then the resurrection, which just blew everyone's mind. And, and now it's, it's sometime later, and Jesus had told them, go ahead of me to Galilee, and I want you to go to the spot that I have told you about. And they went there. And when they got there, Jesus showed up. And it says, they worshipped him. I want to suggest to you that in this case, their worship was an act of the will. They determined to worship Jesus. And I say that because of that end of that sentence, right? But some doubted. Does that encourage you at all? <laughs> Do you ever have doubts? Do you ever have times that you're like, oh man, this is so, what I'm going through right now is just difficult, or this circumstance, or man, I'm coming and I'm working hard and I just don't know if I'm being very effective. Do you ever have doubts? Some of the disciples, for crying out loud, this isn't just the average run-of-the-mill people that had trailed along in the crowds. This is some of the apostles had doubts, but they chose to worship him anyway because worship is an act of of the will. They were still struggling with their questions. They were still struggling with their emotions. I got to go get my water, excuse me. Sorry for those of you that may be watching online. <laughs> and these guys decided that in spite of this emotional experience they had just been through watching the one who they knew was the Messiah die, having been practically hopeless, hiding away for fear of the Jews. And then Jesus came back to life again, and now he's showing up in a couple of different spots, and here's one of them. And they worshipped him. The other reason I think that this is important at the beginning of what we usually preach is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These first couple of verses set it up because I believe worship is what motivates our obedience. We don't just obey because we're supposed to. It's worship that drives our obedience. See, I think that's why we attend church, partly. It's why we come here. It's not just because, well, it's what you're supposed to do on Sunday mornings. We go to church so that we have the opportunity to worship God, and worship motivates us to serve. Worship motivates us to obey. Worship is the thing that 
helps us recognize the worth of who Jesus is. And when we do that, we will keep our commitment to serving him more long-term, right? When you understand the importance of what you're doing, when you understand the value of what you're doing, when you understand the worth of who you're doing it for, longevity is a little easier, right? So worship is an act of the will, but it also is that which motivates our obedience. So it's resolution time, right? I'm not a big fan of resolutions, you know, I, I got a couple of things I'm kind of trying to ramp up again this year, but why do gyms put out more uh, advertisements and all of that this time of year? Because lots of people want to sign up for the gym again. And those of you who normally go to the gym will work out at home and come February, you'll go back to the gym because it'll be empty again, right? It'll just be those of you who are really committed there's got to be a motivation other than, I just think this would be a really good idea for me to do this. Those kind of motivations don't last long. But when I am serving God, when I'm obeying Christ because I have been to worship, I have worshipped him and understood his worth, that's a motivation that will keep me going more long term. It's not just willpower. Secondly, I want to talk to you about the authority of Christ. He begins this comment not with, I mean, I don't know what all he said. We weren't there, and I'm sure we don't have every word. But when he begins to give his charge, he doesn't just start by saying, okay, here are the things you guys need to think about doing. He began with, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. He has all Authority, So he has the authority to command our obedience. If we are his followers, he has the right, he has the authority to command our obedience, to tell us what to do. He is king of kings. He is lord of all. He has the right to do that. So when somebody you're talking to says to you or implies to you in conversation, what right do you have to tell me this, this, or this? You don't have to launch into a, a diatribe about this, but you know in your heart and need to know in your heart, you have the authority of Jesus because he has told you to do that. So you don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed or uncertain or, or a, a little bit awkward. Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he has said... You need to go make disciples. That's what I want you to do. Pardon another movie reference. You remember The Lion King, right? When the original one came out, it was really cute and fun, and my kids were young, and so we watched it, although I have watched it since then too. But um, you remember when, when Simba ran away, right? And he's found by Timon and Pumbaa. Okay, everybody else watched it too. And at first, they're like scared skinny, right? And, and Pumbaa says to Timon, what if he's on our side, right? What, what? And Timon's like, oh, that's stupid. He's like, hey, wait a minute, right? What if he's on our side? And so, because why? They realize Ooh, he's a lion. And then sometime later, 
they find out that he was the son of the king. Simba says to them, it doesn't matter, I'm just still the same guy. And Timon, of course, says, yeah, but with power. Because he's the king now. When you're the king, you have all of the authority you need. And when you represent the king, you don't need other people's permission or authority. You're doing what you've been told. There's something very affirming to me to know this is not like I've just decided I'm going to go and talk to people. I'm going to try and build into people's lives. This is what Jesus has told me to do. Coastal doesn't get to decide. We're going to make the main part of our ministry just social stuff. Listen, we care for our community. You know that. We, we care about people's needs. We seek to reach out into our community. We, we have our food ministry. We have the Peninsula Rescue Mission. We have all sorts of things that we're doing because we care about our community. But if that's all we were doing and that was an end in itself, we would not be obeying the command of Christ, right? The command of Christ is we're to make disciples. But not only does Jesus have the authority to command our obedience, because have you ever been told by someone in authority, I want you to do this, and you've thought to yourself, huh, I don't know if I can. And then you've gotten into it and realized, I, I don't have the resources I need to do this. So the cool part about this is Jesus doesn't just have the authority to command our obedience. He has the power to enable our, our obedience. It is in his authority that we go, but it is in his strength that we go to make disciples. So when we feel unequal to the task, we look to Jesus and we realize this is his resourcing. What does 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say? All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The power to enable us comes through the word of God. He has given us his word. So, so you know in these terms that we use at Costa, right? We've talked about connect. We've talked about the importance of worship. Now we're talking about the importance of growing. We have the word of God that enables us to grow. We learn. We do not do spiritual formation classes. We don't have someone teaching about how to study the Bible right now here at Hampton because you just need something more to do every Wednesday evening for the month of January, right? I know that's not true, but I also know that when we learn how to study this book effectively, this is where we get the strength and the ability. This is where we learn to be equipped to do what God has asked us to do. He has given us his spirit. John 14, Jesus talks about that, how he has sent his spirit. His spirit would come. The helper, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring them to your remembrance. It is important that we draw on the resources Jesus has given us because he has given us the power to obey. Thirdly, I want to talk about the commission of Christ specifically. Verse 19, go, therefore, therefore, based on the fact that I have all authority in heaven and on earth, go and 
make disciples of all nations. Now, I want, I want to tell you that the way this is worded in English is fine, it's great, but the command here is actually to make disciples, not to go. The way that word is put in the original language, the word go is more of as you're going. It assumes going because going is just living life. Going is what we do when we head to work. Going is what we do when we, when we head to the grocery store. Going is what we do when we head to a family event. We are going somewhere. And in the process of going, we are to make disciples of all nations. What does that sound like in our list of things? We've had connect and we've had grow. That sounds a lot like serve to me. It sounds a lot like what we're doing when we engage in ministry to other people. So I want to take a minute and I want to go to Luke chapter 14 and ask this question. What is a disciple? What does that even look like? And Jesus described it in Luke 14 in a, in a pretty, pretty powerful uh, description. Beginning in verse 25, great crowds accompanied him. You remember, of course, Jesus was feeding people, feeding thousands of people at a time. He was healing the sick, and great crowds accompanied him. Because everybody loves the show, right? And he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I want to stop there for a second. That's a pretty strong statement, right? Do you think Jesus was actually suggesting that I should hate my wife? Well, certainly not. Jesus is all about strong marriages. Should I hate my children? No. I'm convinced Jesus is talking priorities in this statement. He is saying your commitment to me, your commitment to be a follower of me, Jesus said, should be so powerful that by comparison it may seem like you don't even care about these other people. He wants us to care about these other people. That's not the problem. It is that we don't understand the significance of what it means to be a disciple. And so he goes on to describe it. And he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Or which of you, uh, or rather otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build, but was not able to finish. Or what king going out to war to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. What is the fundamental point of Jesus? It will take everything you have to be a disciple of Jesus. And what began to happen with all the people that followed him? They began to say, you know what, a free lunch is really cool, but I don't necessarily want to give up my life for this thing. 
That's what we are saying to people. We're not saying to people, add Jesus to your life. It's really great. Now it is, but not in the way that they're expecting it to be. We're not saying, put Jesus at the center of your life, and man, your bills will be paid, you'll have some extra, you'll see amazing things going on. Now listen, God provides our needs, and we do get to see amazing things. But the point of discipleship has nothing to do with, look what I get, right? Biblical discipleship is, look what I give. It will cost me everything. Now, that does not mean I have to sell everything, give it away. I'm not allowed to have any stuff. But it does mean it's important for me to know that none of the stuff that I have, that God has given to me, is actually mine. It all belongs to Jesus. That's why when we talk about tithing, listen, that's not God's portion. That's not God's part, right? That's my acknowledgement that God owns all of it. I give part of it to prove to myself that God owns all of it and he can provide my needs with only a smaller portion. It costs me everything. One of the seasons of my life included uh, missionary service or an attempt to go to another country. We were anticipating that we would go to Australia, in fact, to plant churches. And uh, we, in that process of time, were at a mission agency where there was another missionary family that was affected by a tragedy. They were missionaries to Peru, and they were flying in a, in a small plane to one, from one place to another in South America. And somehow or another, the Peruvian government got it in their heads that they were smuggling drugs, and they shot that plane down. The husband was the pilot, the wife was there with him, and they had their baby that they had just, the reason they had flown anywhere was to go to adopt this baby girl. Mom and baby were killed. Uh, in a very powerful expression, the dad came back to the home office and brought the propeller from the plane with the bullet hole in it. And it was like, wait a minute. These, these guys, this is, how can this happen, right? And then it began to hear testimonies. In fact, her name was Ronnie, Ronnie Bowers. She is local. She's from up in somewhere in Newport News, Grafton area. It began to come out that she had given testimony years before. Listen, I, when it comes time for me to die, I'm not going to give my life then. I already gave my life to Jesus. Interesting perspective, right? It's not about giving my life when it comes time to die. It's about giving my life while I'm still alive. Discipleship is giving everything. It's talking about the priority of Christ. It's making a realistic appraisal of the circumstances around me. It's giving my all to Jesus. That's what we're asking people. So let's not minimize the ask, okay? I, I, I don't like bait and switch any more than you do, right? I hate companies that 
every time there's a commercial, this is the greatest sale we've ever had. And how can that be? They'd be giving it away by now. It's not the greatest sale. It's bait and switch. They want to get you in. In fact, there's a, there's a local company, one of our local towns, that does it all the time. And I had a friend who went shopping there for the specific thing that they saw in an ad, and they didn't have it. They said, well, we don't have that one, but we do have this one. That's only $175 more, right? That's bait and switch. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to convince people, man. You gotta. You gotta come. You gotta. You gotta come to Jesus, man. It's really great, and we get lots of friends, and come be part of our small group. Those things are all wonderful blessings, but let's not let people come to Christ with the expectation that ninety percent or eighty percent or whatever of their life they'll still get to do whatever they want. Let's be honest, right, with our ask. We're making disciples. So how do we do it? Well, we do it as we're going. How do we make disciples? We're, we're going. We're in the process. We're going to work. We're going to home. We're going to a family event. We're going to whatever. We're on the way of going. We're not waiting for them to come. I, I don't have any problem with attractional evangelism. Bring your friends with you to church. You know they're going to hear the gospel if you bring your friends to church with you because it's just it's part of what I do because I know it's really important and I know it's a great opportunity. But we're going. We're not waiting for them to come. We're going to them and we're baptizing going to be a baptism service here. There are two people that have shown some interest in being baptized here. I don't know the last time we've had a baptism in our, in our church building here, but Lord willing, it's going to happen in April. And if you've never taken that step, if you've trusted in Jesus, you know you're a follower of Christ and you've never taken that step, I think there's a spot on your Connect card, and if not, a little checkbox right on your Connect card. I'm interested in being baptized, and let's talk. Because that's the first step. Make disciples baptizing them. Why baptize? Because it is a public expression, a public commitment. It's a public opportunity to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And we do it here in, our, in the context of our church family so that we can rejoice together and celebrate together a new life that God has given so, man, check that off. Come on, let me know about it. It's going to be in April. I think it's the Sunday right before Easter. But we got some stuff. We want, to, we want to get together with you. We want to hear your testimony. We want to work some stuff out. So let us know, man, as soon as you can. I would love to see us have three or four people at our, at our next baptism service here. We want people baptized. And we're teaching them. So the job really just begins at conversion, right? That's why I don't talk a lot about how our primary job is evangelism. Our job is discipleship, which presupposes evangelism, right? We, you can't grow what hasn't been born, so we have to see people come to a new birth. And so we lead people to Jesus, and we do our best to see them come, and then we want to disciple, we want to teach people. That's why I push all the time Get in a small group. It is where you will grow. It is the primary means of discipleship at Coastal. Ask any pastor at Coastal. They will tell you that. 
yes, you ought to be here, and we, we do our best to share messages that will challenge you and, and help you grow, but you grow in a small group. And you grow in these spiritual formation classes. We offer them to you so that you can have an opportunity to perhaps some book study or perhaps some topic that you're interested in or, or how to study the Bible in our case right now. Uh, we, we have these things so that you can grow and learn and be instructed. And listen, I want to talk to you about We Are Coastal. If you're new to us or new to Coastal, and have never been to our We Are Coastal class, it's kind of our introduction class to Coastal. Coming to it does not make you a member, nor does it obligate you to become a member, but it gives you all the information you need about who Coastal is, what we are like, so that you can make an informed decision about that. I, I, I hope everybody will come to it. In fact, some of you haven't been to it in a long, long time. It's very different than it used to be. I would encourage you to come again. We're having one on February 5th, conveniently. I really wish you'd come. I wish some of you who are members would grab somebody you know who's not a member and say, listen, let me go with you. I'll sit and have lunch with you, and we'll sit, we'll sit together at We Are Coastal. Because it's long. It's, it's almost three hours of time, including lunch, but we do provide dinner and we provide childcare for you. We make it almost as much as possible something that is convenient. In fact, we stay after church on Sunday, and so you come once and you stay for We Are Coastal and you get to go home later that day. I wish you would come. If you have never been to We Are Coastal, I'm telling you, you learn about how we think, why we do things the way we do, you will meet our staff personally because many of them are involved in the teaching of it. It's, it's a great introduction to Coastal. It talks about this discipleship process, and it's, it's designed to help you realize that our goal is not just to assemble a, a congregation, right? We don't want just to assemble a crowd. We're wanting to stage an army, so we want people to learn, where do I fit? How can I serve? at Coastal. Listen, with growth comes needs. So we're averaging almost 20 kids now in our children's ministry. We need children's workers. We have three groups we want to expand to four. We need children's ministry workers. We need people to come and do that. Rachel is always looking for more people to serve. If you have a, a musical background and a talent or a skill or you can sing, talk to her, okay? Man, we would love to have you engaged in that. We have all of these things that we would love people to be. I have more things I want to do. As people continue to come, we're going to need somebody out there or a couple of somebodies out there in the parking lot to help them find spots to park. We're starting to do things that require more people. I want you to serve God here. It's why we teach. It's what we do with We Are Coastal. And then I want you to give you the last piece in here, and it's the end of the verse. And I love this because, again, it's not just Jesus saying, okay, gang, go do it, man. This is just going to be great. You wait and see what I do. But he says this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise of the presence of Christ. We do things well together. Scriptures don't talk too, 
too often, almost never, about lone rangers. Even people like the Apostle Paul, who was like guns blazing kind of guy, had a team of people that he worked with. Think about facing the Christian life. Think about doing the command of Christ to disciple others and not thinking that Jesus would be there with you. But he promises to be with us. What an incredible reality. In all of our going and our baptizing and our teaching, Jesus goes with us. As we're seeking to reach our friends and our family with the gospel, Jesus is going with us. He promises to be with us. Always. Not just most of the time, not just during the good times, always. This is the part where I look at that fourth word, the multiply piece. See, as we're going, sometimes we're going beyond our comfort zone. We've connected to God in corporate worship. We have been growing in small groups and spiritual formation. We've been serving in, in a ministry which is inside the walls and in missions which is outside of our walls. We've been doing those things. And now we're thinking beyond. Now what? There, there are people among our fellowship here who sensed a burden from God having been firmly invested and involved in another campus at Coastal and God laid it on their heart to come here. And honestly, many of them are staying here because they have caught the vision of multiplication. I believe it's important and that God needs me to be here. Coastal will eventually have more campuses. Everybody knows that, and we should be aware of that. Williamsburg, we got a boatload of people. We got, I'll bet you there are close to 200 people traveling from Williamsburg to our Yorktown campus all the time. They are desperate for a campus in Williamsburg. There are other places, other churches that are coming to us and saying, would you please consider adopting us? One of the most difficult things of being a pastor is it is part of my job to make sure that we're discipled so that some of you, perhaps, can go to another campus and say, man, I'm here, I've been part of what's going on, I've been part of what God is doing, and man, I think I want to go do this again. It would be amazing. It will be emotionally difficult, right? But we're looking to multiply, and you don't have to worry that you're just going off on a tangent because Jesus promises to be with you Always. Always. So let me give you a couple of thoughts, and, and these ones are just kind of recaps mostly. But I want to ask you to think about this today. Are you going as an expression of worship or an expression of your obligation? I just got to do it. Now listen, I totally get it. Sometimes you go do what you're supposed to do because you're just supposed to, right? Would it shock you to know that even as a pastor, some days I show up because if I don't, there's not going to be a sermon. Some days you do what you just need to do because you're supposed to do it and you're faithful and you're diligent and you're responsible. But man, the vast majority of our life, it ought to be worship that's driving me to serve, right? That's why I love to stand down here as our worship team leads us musically in worship because it fills my heart and it prepares me to step up here and take the word of God and, and hope to see people changed as a result of it. I don't want you to just know more. I want us to be better equipped. Secondly, 
you're always going, so here's the question. How are you helping people in their discipleship journey? I look around at my life, and I, I can point to people. Some of them are my staff. They have no option but to be discipled by me. But there are other people in my life that I'm trying to build into their life, not because they're immature Christians, but because it's just our job to build into each other's lives. So as you look around your life, are there people that you're investing in? Some of them are unsaved people. Some of them are people that don't yet know Jesus, and you're investing in their life with the the prayerful desire to see them come to faith in Jesus so you can continue the process and watch them become authentic followers of Jesus. And then the last one, which I've already said, and it sounds like I'm really just trying to get you to come to We Are Coastal, but I am, so sign up for We Are Coastal. Honestly, if you've never come, please come. I know it's three hours. It seems like a long time, but it's one afternoon, and it's one and done, and it's really useful, and it'll help you understand. And seriously, if you're involved in a small group and you've got people in your small group that aren't members of Coastal yet, listen, I know, and we admit even in We Are Coastal, there's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt be a member of a local church. But I think there are lots of good biblical reasons to commit to a membership in a church. And you'll hear about them when you come to We Are Coastal on February 5th, all right? (laughs) Sign up on your Connect card, turn that thing. Man, I would just love to have you come. It's so useful because we want to band together. We're here together in this, right? We're not, we are a staff-led and a pastor-led church. It's how we govern ourselves but we are not a church where the, the pastor and the staff think that they're the most important people. You guys are the most important people. Coastal would not be what it is without our members. Our members give 80 to 90% of our offerings. Our members do vast, the vast majority of the ministry that happens at Coastal is from our members. I realize you can give money if you're not a member. I know you can pray. I know... There are certainly some things you can do if you're not a member. Why not commit? Why not say, this is my church family. I'm here. I'm all in. I'm going to be part of what's going on. I'm going to watch what God will do. There's good stuff in store. I'm telling you, I'm I'm excited about the future and what God's planning to do here. I would love you to be part of it. All right? Listen, our team's going to come back. We're going to... I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to go out of here rejoicing, singing together. So thanks so much again. Really encourages my heart as a pastor to see people give so selflessly to serve the Lord. Father in heaven, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the opportunity to be part of a church family that loves you and wants to serve you. And God, I know... I I totally get that this message has really been to people who are here, to our church family, to people who are part of our family but not yet fully invested. And it's been a challenge to believers. Father, I pray for the one that might be sitting here this morning or listening by way of a, a live stream or a video that has never trusted in Jesus, never made their heart right with God. Lord, I pray that you would prompt them. Lord, give them at least the courage to check off on the the Connect card that they want to know more about a relationship with Jesus. Because, Lord, you've made it so simple. You 
we are all sinners and you sent Jesus so that he could pay the penalty for our sin. And so God the Son came and lived for us and died for us and literally came back to life again. And so we turn from our sins and we believe in the gospel and we receive Christ. The Lord, it's, it's so simple that sometimes we, we just walk past it without even noticing. So I pray that you would challenge the heart of anybody that's here that uh, did not yet do that. Pray that you would draw them to yourself today. And Lord, for the rest of us, we, we get a little bit complacent, Lord. So perhaps in my desire as a pastor to uh, comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable, maybe there are a few among us, Lord, who have been gotten comfortable. Lord, we want to give our all. We want to give ourselves wholeheartedly everything that is ours, we know is yours. And so we come to you again to offer it to you and offer ourselves to you and ask you to use us however you will for your glory. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.